Hey, everybody, this is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and those riddles of human nature. You know we're going to have those riddles. On this episode, we discuss a vintage 1986 episode of The Price is Right. Woo, it is a humdinger in honor of Bob Barker. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How you doing? Oh, wow. It's been a long time since we talked. I uh, <laughs> so much to... Wow. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's been a long time since we talked with microphones in front of our faces yes. to each other. Uh, but I just saw you for a trip to Chicago with also my uh, lovely Aunt Carol was along. If you're listening, hi, Auntie Carol. Oh, I um, wish she knew how to. I really do. It requires two buttons, and it's a bit beyond her. So. Well, she certainly knows how to scroll that Facebook on her iPad for <laughs> seven or nine hours at a time. At a time. <laughs> Yes, she does. She's very good at that. Uh, she has lots of misinformation to share and uh, frequently does. Um, and it's always amusing. It's really always amusing. It's so shocking to me to have a sister, an older sister, that I can relate to like as if she's a, a younger sister. Because she <laughs> That's she, funny. Yeah. She, yeah. She says some of the most outrageous stuff that I can't even believe she believes it. You know, she's sort of, uh, she's got all the latest medical mi misinformation <laughs> a person could want. I mean, I see her scrolling on that thing, and after a few hours, I'm like, how does Facebook have anything left? I mean, at the Facebook headquarters, I just picture him shoveling <laughs> coal into this scroll <laughs> furnace to give Carol more, they're just like, when is she going to stop? But and they never run out. No, no. And it's never, um, you know, she's not playing games. She's not playing games to expand her mind or anything. It's all crap. It's just all like the, the rag sheets from England that are oh, yeah. so heinous and uh, like the encyclopedia to her. I mean, uh, she's, she's, I, I. At this point, listen to very little or try to intake very little of what she imparts. <laughs> but I used to get all upset. Oh, oh, my God, really? Oh, the inoculations, this and oh, you shouldn't take this. And, and yet when I realize she herself runs her life like this, goes to the doctor, get a prescription for whatever, talks to three friends and decides they know better than the doctor and discontinues her medications mm -hmm. just for six months or so and then goes back to the doctor with the same issue. So uh, that's how she runs her life. She views herself as the sort of Walter Cronkite of uh, any <laughs> gathering she's in. We were out at the Japanese restaurant that you really wanted to visit. Guy Jean, I'll give. Oh, she did. Um, okay, well, you did too. Didn't I you? did you too. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Guy Jean, it's a Japanese restaurant. They specialize in okonomiyaki, like an omelet type dish. Um, I'll, I'll give it a little plug. It's in. It's near Fulton Market. I don't know if it's in the Fulton Market, but it's right next to the Green Line here in Chicago. Anyhow, we go out to Guy Jean for lunch. Nice place. 
Um, and uh, you know, I think I've even talked about it on the show before, I can't stand it when people get their phone out at a meal or dining out, right? Yes. <laughs> at some point with just a brief lull in the conversation, Carol pipes up and says, oh, Mike Pence suspended his campaign. And I look over and she's scrolling on. Oh, I missed phone. that. <laughs> just, I just, I tried to be as nice about it as I could, which was not very nice. It was but... not very nice. I'm going to tell you right now. You and I both think, oh, we're being so nice. Oh, we're so subtle. We're not. I don't, I didn't think I was being nice, okay. but I refrained from yelling shouting, at Shouting, would you put that damn phone away? <laughs> I yeah. just think that Mike, like Mike Pence, suspended his campaign is like the faintest whisper of a news story. Like I can't. What percentage of people could possibly care about that? <laughs> Mike Pence's campaign and um, his wife, maybe. And I think that's it. Well, it's not like she's looking up to see if her neighbor gave birth to the child that was two weeks overdue. It's it's always <laughs> it's. You know, not personal stuff that you might want to check on. It's always global stuff that can wait for a long time. I mean, how about all of us just hanging out, kind of relaxing, sitting around, and she very casually, you know, with no finesse, says, uh, Matthew Perry died. (laughs) I know. Just boom, here's an obituary for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which my it's, mother always delighted in. So it's, you know, I'm glad she's taken true. on that mantle. Oh, my that's God, true. my mother couldn't wait to get on the phone with when anybody died. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. That's a weird thing, isn't it? It's It kind of reminds me how like, when someone dies, like there's this race to update the Wikipedia page. Like, uh, oh, I don't know if you're aware of this phenomenon, but like. Yeah, no. like someone's Wikipedia page will be updated like before their body is even cold um, because there's there's just some competition around that. But uh, yeah, oh, it couldn't have been a more peaceful moment. And then uh, Matthew Perry died. <laughs> just blam. She's uh, not like Walter Cronkite, actually, because, you know, at least Walter Cronkite, like, took his glasses off and took a beat before he broke some terrible news to the nation. Let you know something was coming, perhaps. Uh, Yeah, she's uh, she's very unique in that. Like one of us, like one of like maybe uh, Leo or somebody is going to break that news before she does. So (laughs) right, right. Yeah, and I was still recovering from the heartbreak of Mike Pence suspending his campaign. Oh, so I you... really couldn't take that yeah. hit right then. Oh, first Mike Pence, now this. See, uh. I did not hear that conversation. Um, being in a noisy restaurant, um, I I was sort of vicariously willing Leo to sit in his seat before he got yelled at by his father. <sighs> All right, I get it. You hate me and my kids. No. <laughs> Message received. Christ. No, I, I, uh, I enjoyed. I really enjoy them very much. I think they're, they're delightful. I um, uh, actually, I will tell you that, uh, and I know I've told you this before, but Eve, very, very much takes after my sister, and that she can rearrange a full 
plate to look like something has been removed and perhaps consumed. Uh, yeah, phantom eating. Yeah. Um, yeah, the visual psychology of the dinner plate. Uh, Eve has a deep, innate understanding of it. She and I also, I've started calling her the food ninja because she also has started this move where she just as quietly and as quickly as possible gets up from the <laughs> the dinner table plate. with her plate to, yeah. to see if she can make it to the wastebasket and scrape her plate out before I notice the like gobs of vegetables that remain. <laughs> Yeah, when I see a flash of motion going by uh, yeah. my eyes from the dinner table, I know to make Eve hold up and yeah. show Let's me take all a the look veggies. at that. Yeah, take yeah. a look at that. That's funny because uh, you know Jenna Jenna's meal conversation consisted of saying, "Is that enough?" Because all she wanted was dessert. When she was oh yeah, that's that's the. <laughs> Absolutely. Eve will often just tap me on the shoulder and point to her plate <laughs> because I got so annoyed at her always asking, like, is this enough? Is this enough? So she thinks that just pantomime uh, softens the blow of pestering me with that question. It doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. It no. doesn't help at all. Yeah. Being tapped on the shoulder is somehow even more annoying, if you can imagine. Uh, yeah. All right, before we get to Prices Right, since there's a lot to talk about there, I know, I just got to tell this story from the summer that mm. I kept saving for the next time we podcasted, and before I know it, it's uh, November, um, but here it is. This is my story I was saving for the podcast, um, and in fact, I spoiled it by already telling Mom, so Mom, uh, act surprised as okay. I tell you this story. Um, we went to McDonald's on the way back from a nice little road trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you never know what you're going to get at these fast food places that are just like the only thing at an exit. Uh, I think the quintessential example of this for you and me, Mom, is when you and I drove all our stuff out from New York to Chicago when I moved um, with Anna. Um, Anna went separately, and you and I drove out, and it was um, a long day punctuated in the middle by a trip it felt like to outer space um, at this Arby's that was just like the highway exit ramp went up to this Arby's and then it was just desolation. Um, the Arby's was like at the top of a hill too in my imagination. But No, it was. Right? Yeah. Um, it was like a weird location and just a weird Arby's where everybody had this dead-eyed stare. And wow, that was that was the strangest, I think. It's hard and to they, describe to people though, is, how weird and, it was. And the way they spoke Their was, accent. <laughs> was very scary. Hard weird. to place. Yeah, yeah. like a, this unfamiliar... Where were we? Like Western Pennsylvania, almost to Ohio, or almost to Montana, yes. as far as we know. We, yeah. could, we yeah. didn't even know the geography out there. <laughs> no, we didn't. Anyway, so this this summer, I'm with my family, and we stop at this McDonald's, and they just, like, it takes forever to even get up to put in our order. They're in total disarray. They just can't keep up. Um, and of course we get our order and like, there's an extra thing of this and there's no sauce for the nuggets. Like if, if after all these decades, McDonald's could just nail down the nugget sauce <laughs> procedure. Um, I went up to get one thing that was missing and then there was the no sauce. So I went up and the second time I went up, I just like leaned over the counter and reached 
in and grabbed what I wanted because it was that kind of like every man for himself atmosphere in this chaotic McDonald's. (laughs) And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, they really don't have their uh, business together here. And the manager comes out and uh, shouts (laughs) to the entire restaurant, everyone needs to evacuate right now. We have a gas leak. Evacuate the restaurant right now. A gas leak. So now this McDonald's is on the verge of exploding. And the moment I'll never forget from all this, Mom, um, and how stupid we are as human beings and creatures of routine, as everybody's streaming out, I stopped to pick up the Happy Meal toys that the kids got. (laughs) And later that night, I just thought back on that, and I was like, why on earth... Next time, when there's at risk of dismemberment of you and your family, just get out. Yeah. Plus, the Happy Meal toys, the kids care about those for, what, 30 seconds? Well, until they get them out and open them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because they're such crummy toys these days anyway, but that's a whole other topic. Um, So, yeah, I wish I could tell you which McDonald's to avoid, but I don't know where the hell I was. That's kind of the (laughs) nature. Well, they probably got that gas leak down pat now so you think, i don't think they got anything down pat at this mcdonald's but there you have it that's your catch-up for the summer if you find it unsatisfying well i'm sorry <laughs> sorry we were gone for so long but here and we our, are again and our, our memories have lost all the all the good stuff so yeah all i can remember is ghastly get mcdonald's and auntie carol getting her phone out and telling me that mike pence Anyway. I'm glad to know that because I did not know that. I, I really did not know that. But I just saw yesterday that that Tim Scott, is that his name? He he yeah. dropped out too. So um, He yay. did too, yeah. Yay? I mean, who cares? It doesn't, like, <laughs> does it matter? Uh, well, you know, it's funny because you don't hear from them for a while. I'm waiting for uh, the next one to drop out i think yeah i think it'll be nikki haley will uh go the distance oh no way no way she's doomed well who do you you mean go the distance to get second place is that what you mean yeah yes i don't know they're all a bunch of duds but let's not get too deep into the politics yeah all right uh let's talk about something more joyful for people of all stripes it's time to talk about The Price is Right, don't you think, Ma? I really do. When Bob Barker walked through the big doors to host the episode with air date April 17th, 1986, he could not have known that he was striding into a day of Price is Right history. The six contestants who made it up on stage that day could seemingly do no wrong. There was Dale, the affable Canadian who won a Dodge Daytona with a calmly perfect game of one away. Ask them... Do I have them all right? Do I have them all right? Yes, Open up the price and show that he has it all right. That doesn't happen often, Dale. That doesn't happen often. Contestant usually has to work for that a little bit more than that. Congratulations. There were Carol and Ruby, the player and home viewer who won the maximum $15,000 jackpot on the phone home game. 
You got $15,000. You won the big one. The whole thing. By the time college student Richard made it up on stage to play the money game for a Subaru brat, the stakes were clear. Price was on the verge of that rare jewel, a perfect show. You realize, Richard, that we've had five games won, don't you? You know that. And you know how much I want a perfect show today. Now, whether you want that truck or not, I want you to win this for me, okay? Okay. All right, do it for old Bart. Would Richard come through with the correct price of that Subaru brat? On this day, the magic could not be stopped. Here's a clip. 45. 45. All right, does he win? He got it. He got the truck. He got it. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Richard. And I want <laughs> I want you to know, I want you to know that from now on, I'm going to have to have shirts with the right sleeve about two inches longer. He, he grabbed my hand and shook it and pulled it right out of the socket here. But I wanted to point out, it was the old top and bottom game, and he figured it out. But he did this without a mistake. I mean, he did not miss one number. What a day we have had on the Price is Right. Congratulations. Drive safe. Perfect day! Time to give away big money on the big wheel. After a little business with you. To watch this classic episode of The Price is Right in full, search YouTube for The Price is Right April 17th, 1986, and click on the video that says TPIR, Perfect Show. Mom, after almost 40 years, was this price still right? Oh, this did. You you might have been on the couch at the other end with a runny nose, and this took me right back to those days, I'll tell you. Yeah, I bet. It was, I, and I didn't know it was a perfect game when I started watching. Oh, really? You didn't, didn't see the title? I didn't look at the title. I didn't. I just dove right into it, and... Uh, I made lots of notes, as I said, for the first half, and then I just got lost in the whole thing, um, and it was absolutely delightful. It was absolutely just—it was a perfect team. It really was. Bob was, <laughs> Bob was funny, joking with the contestants, and um, asking them uh, what they, where they were from, and what they did, very casually, just as. He just had a way. He he, he was magic. He was magic. So talented. Putting everybody at ease. And it was just lovely. Um, The one note I do have that uh, I wanted to bring up with you is the models were dressed like nuns, I thought. (laughs) Um, The... This is 1986. Um, the model's dress became a little more conservative in the 80s because so did the country and so did the culture. So if you watch some of the late 70s, early 80s prices rights, they will generally be more scantily clad than when, you know, around 1986, it gets a little um, more conservative. That was the style. Uh, but I agree. Um, 
Although we did have that strange showcase with the models uh, dressed up as Girl Scouts. Or Boy Scouts, even. Or whatever, and acting very childish that was a little creepy, but... Yeah, I I, I didn't... uh, I didn't... uh... Yeah, yeah. Follow I through that with that. Yeah, that was pretty Well, you could weird. barely understand the models as what they were saying, too. It was, anyway. That's true, because they were talking baby talk. <laughs> somebody, somebody did not really think that through. But the traditional uh, models, the, the original three models, Janice Pennington, um, Holly and Diane, who who were just as important as Bob in the show. Yeah, well, they're not the original three, but they are the iconic three. It's oh. Janice, Janice Pennington, um, who was there from the beginning, if not almost from the beginning, if not from the beginning. Um, and Diane Parkinson and Parkinson. Uh, Holly Hallstrom. Holly was at it last of the of the three of them. Um, but in any case, those are the big three. And I don't know if they were as important as Bob, but they were. Oh, they well, they were, grew to be, I think, in my mind. Were, and this is also a part of an era of the show when um, it still has some of that family feel. Uh, in the 90s, it just became all about Bob. Um, uh, but it still had some of that sort of ensemble feel, even though Bob was. I was also very shocked to see him with brown hair. I mean, I was not prepared for this at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think maybe in 87 he went white. But yeah, this 86, the date is important in Price is Right history, too, because not this particular date, but this general era. There's different eras of Bob's hosting style, and there's sort of subtle differences that um, maybe only total nerds about of the show care about. But um, Bob's wife... Um, died in I think 1981 or 82 but early in the 80s and um, you can see his uh, demeanor become um, a little harder and sometimes a little meaner still jokingly and playfully but also sometimes like he'll give a contestant a hard time jokingly for a little longer than you like um, yes. if you are really paying close attention in these early 80s episodes. And um, he started to loosen up again in the back half of the 80s. And it's understandable, right? Like it's this huge trauma he went through. And I think it just changed his general outlook on life for a while. But um I, this is right at the this 86 date, I feel like, is at the start of Bob softening up and really being fully himself again. And you're right. He's like he's so good and so funny with the contestants down in contestants row. And back then the show had time in its running time for Bob to be able to do that. It's so cut to the bone now, but yeah. there was a little time for it to breathe then. Um, And what I love the most about this episode is even Bob gets caught up in the fun. Like when that last contestant nails the money game, um, I I just loved seeing Bob. He could hardly do anything but laugh. He was just so full of joy. And um, he brought us so much happiness. And, you know, I... um, I'm sure it comes as no surprise to longtime listeners of the show how much I worshipped Bob Barker, and I just think he was the greatest practitioner of this art of TV hosting that doesn't really exist anymore, um, per se. Um, 
And I just loved seeing him have so much fun. He was just loving his job that day. And God, it is, it's great to watch. I had, I was so happy, even though I knew it was a perfect show um, <laughs> all along. Um, I was so happy I had tears streaming down my cheeks, laughing at the <laughs> after that one. And uh, Bob could hardly hold it in, too. It's just a great, yeah. it's such a fun episode to watch. Yeah, it is a fun episode to watch. I'll tell you what else I enjoyed. The audience being so genuine. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. all, hey, look at me. I'm super enthusiastic. Yeah. I'm going to do a cartwheel look at me, look at me. It was just people that were genuinely uh, happy and eager to participate and ready for a laugh. And it was so innocent. It, there was a certain innocence about it. And game shows today just don't even compare. They're, they're, <laughs> so, they're so frantic and, and um, uh, everybody's screaming. It's over the top. And that's what we think is a good time now when this was so simple and a really genuine great time. Yeah, it's a different <clears throat> people are so much more used to being on screen now in general. Uh, That's a good point. So it's not the same. You know, there's a lot when you watch these 70s and 80s prices rights, there's a lot of whoa, I'm on TV and I don't know what to do with myself energy. But um the kids and I like to watch the um, the new Press Your Luck with Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Which I really like. I like Elizabeth a lot. I like what they've done with that show. But the contestants are insufferable because they've all been, it's like they've all been um, pumped full of contestant collagen, I want to say. And they're <laughs> and given a shot of adrenaline before they go out there, too, because they're just, they're not real people. They're all performative yeah. and amped up. And it's like they're, um, you know, shooting reels for their TikTok. I know I crossed social media sites there, but it's like they're making social media as they're playing the game and, you know, build, building their character and their persona. And there's this bonus round on Press Your Luck now. Um, the last half hour or so is um, just one the one winner playing this long bonus round where, you know, they could lose everything uh, from the whammy at any point. And I often root for the whammy because I want to see these people after they've been, oh, moaning and screaming and crying when they see a new prize go up on the board. Like, I, I root against the contestants because I find them so irritating. Yeah. And I kind of have fun doing that, but I don't, it's not as much fun as like seeing a regular Joe or Jane get up on stage and rooting for them to make the most of their nervous, craziest moment of their life. Um, it's such a different vibe that regular, and I do watch uh, The Price is Right now occasionally, and the contestants are are different. Like I said, the culture is different. People are much more used to being on camera and to, you know, showing this uh, amped up version of themselves to the to the world that it's not quite the same vibe. I always see my first rubbing of elbows with the prices right was with Bill Cullen. What do you mean rubbing of elbow elbows with? Like well, the prices right was a def was definitely on TV when I was a kid. Oh yeah. And it was Bill Cullen, and it was a panel of four people that bid on uh, a, a light airplane or yeah. a, a car and a mink coat. And um, 
you know, The Price is Right was a different format then, but it was called The Price is Right. If you haven't seen it, the original Bill Cullen Price is Right is basically what contestants row is um, <clears throat> now on The Price is Right. You probably know better. It's Yeah, it's four people. They don't just get one bid. That's the major difference is they get to keep bidding. So there's one round of bidding and then you can raise your bid or freeze it. Um, but also part of the novelty of the show used to be um, like there would always be one or two pri- prizes in the half hour that like who knows what price it is like you meant like a light airplane right, right. or um whatever like there was a lot of novelty in the prizes which they they do a little more in the in the present day prices right too but um that was the draw and it was just bidding so the prices right we know now is like a fusion of that bill cullen version with let's not kid ourselves let's make a deal like they're very similar yeah shows um yeah. I think The Price is Right ultimately perfected the format, but um, yeah, it's such a, you you can hardly recognize it if you go back and watch uh, the Bill Cullen Price is Right, right. which there are plenty of those on YouTube too, if you want to take a look. Um, I will say uh, I was very resistant to Drew, and I grew to enjoy him very much after um, mm. after a bit of time. And I do love the game that he brought to it, Rat Race. Yeah. Um, I think Drew is great. He's helped the show survive. Like, he successfully transitioned the show into a new era and kept it going. Um, And he has a very different style from Bob. And as I've said many times before, I like the way he does it. Um, I really like Drew. Uh, I can't. can't believe how good a choice they made with yeah. that because I never would have picked him. Um, when they I were agree. right but when they were trying to figure out who to host it, but I do think they nailed it. I do, I uh, and I really appreciate that that they saw something that I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, once in a while, a TV uh, producer can yeah. do something right. It That's does right. happen. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the games we saw okay. on this 1986 episode. Could we talk about? Could we talk about the phone home game? <laughs> yep, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, Here's just... a weird one, huh? Well, first of all, let me just tell you that if you wanted to play, you sent a postcard oh with your God. name and address and your social security number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just wrote it right down. <laughs> Amazing, wasn't it? Rod Body tells you how to sign up for the phone home game. Yeah, just write your name, address, phone number, and social security number on a postcard. Don't even put it in an envelope. (laughs) I just burst out laughing when I saw that. Different times. Different times. But, you know, modern times. Yeah. So, but this game, I don't know how they put this together. But it went off smoothly as it could have. Yeah, which was not totally smoothly, but this is one of the, um, you know, they eventually retired this game, I think, because it was kind of clumsy. And it's not quite as exciting to have 
you know, two players split $15,000. That's just never, there's something less fun about you get $7,500 and you also get that amount. Well, they never say that. They just say $15,000. Yeah, that's so. right. Um, for price history aficionados, I will note that this is the only time in the show's history that the ultra rare $15,000 winner graphic was used. So uh, it's worth watching just to see that. Um, but I love feisty old Ruby on the other end of the line. I wonder even if they would call people up to sort of audition them for the phone home. Game oh, I wonder. I, I feel like there was always a character on the other end of the line. Um, this game, since most of you probably don't know it, the person at home has a list of six products with their prices and they can only name a price, and then the player in the studio um, has to pick which product goes with that price. Um, and they got three of them right, and they got the maximum money you could win. Um, $15,000! $15,000 split between the two of you. And don't forget to take taxes out of that. <laughs> but yeah, $15,000. Um, that's what made this... Uh, it's hard to win the maximum on phone home game. You have to be skilled and really lucky. Um, so that's what made this like an especially rare, um, perfect show. But how about Dale? Dale said at the beginning of One Away, Bob asked him, you know this game? And he just said, no. 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 Uh, Bob told him the rules and he just went bing, 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 bing. You know, the other thing is like there's nobody today who would play this game without staring at the audience for 10 seconds oh my god every you're right number, right yes <laughs> yes oh my god that yes exactly he just made his own decision yeah he was just like what a weirdo I, I, yeah <laughs> you're right see we need to be watching these together because i have a lot to learn <laughs> We should have watched some while you were out here, but we'll watch them over Christmas for sure. I'll make okay. a playlist of uh, vintage price for us to watch. That'll be good. The other thing that's funny is to look at the prices of oh, what things were. Uh, you know, they had a, they had a, uh, I'll just say it was a special clock, not a grandfather clock, but it was special. It was $1,600, which I thought was ridiculous. Um <laughs> And the car went for $9,800. Yeah. The car. Yeah, this is near the end of the era of four-digit car games, right? Like, even to see that, like, that they're going to squeeze the price of the car into that space is right. kind of weird to watch. Right. There was a lot to, to take in about this show, um, especially when I realized that uh, it wasn't, well, it might seem longer for you, but it doesn't seem like it was that long ago for me. I mean, it's your whole life away. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I guess I'm sure it, um, while you were uh, here, uh, you noticed that, um, or you noticed me notice that the pocket on my daily show Patagonia jacket was coming apart, like the yeah. glue uh, was coming off the zipper part of it. Um, and, uh, I was putting that jacket on the other day and I was like, oh, this darn pocket. And then I thought, well, I have had this, uh, jacket <laughs> now for 
um, almost 20 years, and I like stopped and like took the breath out of me to wow. think that it's been 20 years since I was working at The Daily Show. Uh, that doesn't feel so long ago to, to me. Um, right. Right. So I think it's like that that for you, maybe. But yeah, this is... Um, I have been watching a lot of Prices Rights uh, these last few months, uh, thinking of Bob and dealing with other stuff going on in my life. I'll often just fire up a Prices Right on YouTube uh, at lunch. And um, it takes me back, for sure, and gives me the joy of being a little kid. But... Um, also like, I know so much about, like, I've been on the other side now. I mean, I've yeah. literally been on the other side of a Price is Right, um, taping, um, in, you know, for my TV show when we spent that whole day there, but I've been on the other side of TV so, so much that like, I feel like I can see in front of and behind the camera when I'm watching, um, this old uh, episode, and I just feel like I'm there. I'm really transported to 1986 with Bob, and it's it's both nostalgic and fun as an adult at the same time for me. I guess that's how I'd put it. Do you eat? Do you ever eat a fluffer nutter while you're watching? <laughs> As you know, like my father, I can't have too much sugar. Um, I don't react to it maybe in exactly the same way as him, but close enough. Um, so I walk by the Fluffernutter every time I'm in the supermarket, and I'm tempted, uh, by the fluff, I mean, and I'm tempted because yeah. I think of exactly that, Mom. I think, oh, I could uh, I could have fluff at my studio and peanut butter, and I could have a Fluffernutter for lunch, and I'm always like, you know what? You're in your 40s. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need that. But it's my birthday today. Maybe I'll treat myself and go get a jar of fluff, and I'll treat myself to a, a fluffernutter at some point. Oh, I think that's beautiful. Stick a candle in it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, a fluffernutter ego would really be the ultimate. Oh, right. To that's right. Prices right. That used to be my uh, go-to. The <laughs> nutritious breakfast served by mom. <laughs> I wanted to find something less wholesome than white bread. <laughs> and Ego, yeah, I think you did it. Yeah, and Ego was my medium of choice. Um, all right, let's see. What else did we play on this episode before we... Uh, cliffhangers? I mean, you hardly noticed. Oh, but... my favorite. <laughs> One of my favorites. I love it when he falls off. I, just, I know. I was just I... going to say, speaking of rooting for them to lose, Cliffhangers <laughs> is the only, not on this day, of course, but Cliffhangers is the only game that I don't mind if they lose. And I'm not rooting for them to lose. No. But it is, it's okay, because when he when he falls off, I, there's just, it, you know, I, I think I can imagine what a cat feels like. <laughs> What do you when mean? When he knocks something off the table. Oh, or... okay. Okay. Just the sheer pleasure of it's Just the... the pleasure. It makes you understand. Oh, I get it. I get it now. Well, and they've got such a great sound effect for it, too. You know, it sounds like he's falling off the mountain into a, like, log cabin filled with pots and pans. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's really good. That's a good one. But, of course, on this day, the person didn't even get close to the edge. They, no. They, like, the cliffhanger didn't even get halfway i think yeah um, but yeah it was nice to have them play a game of cliffhangers um and then like i said money game bob remarks on um he says they were playing the old top and bottom game this on was the 
on okay. the so they cool. have like nine cards arranged on the board and under two of them are the front half and the back half of the car corresponding to the front half and the back half of the car's price um and there's arrangements that would show up more often than others top and bottom being a common one el cheapo was another trick that they would sometimes use where the lowest number on the board which people generally didn't choose first would be a, a uh, a winning card but uh, on this episode it was top and bottom and they set that up to win i don't know how, if it was set up that way from the beginning of the tape day but um when they swung that game around uh, with the top and bottom arrangement they wanted it to be one because for some reason the contestants are instinct for top and bottom and front and back are the front other back, like yep. winning uh, um arrangements that the contestants gravitate toward everybody on the set that day wanted that dude to uh win that truck <laughs> and he did yeah handily it was it was great um it was great fun. It's relaxing. Things are a little tense in the world right now. And these shows are are just perfect. They're just perfect to take a little step away and enjoy. And, and you know, remember, life is good and, and uh, just take a breather. This is a great way to do it, I think. I think this is the kind of episode that Bob's hosting up in heaven. And I hope he's having as much fun up there as he... Uh did on this heavenly day in Price is Right history. Mom, what is your grade for classic Price is Right? Oh, this gets an A+. This gets an A+. Yeah, how could it not? We'll get out the clangs and whoops because of course we are for the Price is Right. That's where the clangs and whoops originate. That's right. The land of clangs and whoops. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> oh, oh, and let me just say, say. I, did, I did enjoy the boat. They they brought the refrigerator out on the boat. I wasn't sure if the refrigerator was going to make it, but <laughs> it did. The Price is Right tugboat, you mean? Tugboat, yeah. The most rickety, yeah. That oh, and the... my God, it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> Especially with the models driving it. They have been known to uh, drive a car straight through the big doors on occasion, so I'm always nervous that they're going to be able to find the brake. But, yeah, the yes. Price is Right tugboat always seemed a little less reliable than the Price is Right train, even though it's probably the same vehicle uh, underneath. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good call. The Price is Right tugboat. Mom, do you have a recommendation for the listeners? We have been re-watching some shows. Uh, on a on a average night, we have been re-watching Fargo, which is not a funny show. No. <laughs> but... Uh, it's so well done. It's it's just so well done. Absolutely. It's, the first I, three I, seasons in particular. And and those are ones you did oh the I didn't we didn't like the fourth one. Uh but there is a fifth one I hear. If there's a fifth one coming out, coming. Uh, the fourth one bored me. Um and yeah, I did not find it as rich um as the first three. I did do um, I used to do write-ups for the AV Club for Fargo, and yes. I did a number of videos about the, um, you know, in-depth kind of, videos. Yeah, we... what other kind do I do at this point? Well, uh, yeah, but, okay. Yeah, <laughs> looking at the aesthetics of the show, and I'd love to go revisit it sometime. Yeah, um, those but... those were uh, those were very good because it, uh, you would watch the show and then watch your review of it, or you know, take a part of it, and then you'd realize mm, I don't even think I saw this. Uh, show 
but because you what? catch so much. That... Oh, oh, I see. But you feel like, <laughs> yeah, people do tell me they feel like they're sort of watching it again uh, when I take them through it, and that's great. It is. Um, so we're watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is very funny stuff. America's Funniest Videos, and uh, jo- my husband and I call this cats and kittens, but it's really, what is it, eight out of ten cats? Has... Eight out of ten cats does countdown. Does countdown. Which, which I, I think we reviewed on the show at yes, some point, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, okay. But still very funny, and the uh, moderators laugh. If nothing else, we'll make you laugh. Jimmy Carr uh, his, I don't know if I can do it, but <laughs> right, like that weird, yes, distinctive... yes, it's very weird, <laughs> but it's very funny and and it's real, so that's makes it even funnier. At the same time, they're also playing some uh, math games and some uh, word games, so it's just a, a, it's really like a sitting around your living room with some friends having an evening. It's which yeah. nobody does anymore, but. That's what it's like. And if you want to hear more about 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, just look in the Pop Mom archives. We did it. I forget when, and I'm not going to look it up, but it's in there somewhere. It is. It is. And and it's a great show. It's just, it's from Britain, and it's just lots of fun. Lots of fun. That's on YouTube. Whose line is on? I don't know what, but that's just a basket full of recommendations from Mom. Fargo, America's Funniest Videos, Light Fair, all of it. Well, uh, I don't know about Fargo. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> Light Fair and also Fargo's in there for some reason. <laughs> I didn't even have that in my notes among your recommendations. You threw that. We kind of ruined the yeah, theme by throwing that I'm one sorry. in. I'm sorry. Yeah. But... <laughs> I apologize. Um, you're going to, you know, the listeners are going to get greedy. Mom's not going to have four or five recommendations every week, folks. So don't get used to this <laughs> frantic pace of recommending. It's typically going to be just one. So keep that in mind as I tell you that that'll do it for this edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back soon to talk about more. What should we talk about? I hope we can think of something interesting. I hope we can think of something interesting. And I think that something interesting will be the Seinfeld episode, The Strike, featuring Festivus. That's to- <laughs> That's to come next week on Pop Mom. That's right. I'm telling you right up front. That's what we're going to do. So uh, come back for that. Thanks for listening this week. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Tell your friends we're back. We love to get email, too. It's popmom at ological.net. Talk to us about anything. We heard from a few of you over the break. Some of you asked, where the hell are you? Although you were much more (laughs) polite than that. Well, here we are. We're back. Thanks for writing. We love you all. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.